0: Hey everyone and welcome back to Books with Spice Please. I'm Al. And I'm Katie and in this week's episode we're going to be discussing and reviewing Her Wanton on Wager by Grace Calloway with our special guest Penelope Daniels. Hi guys, thanks so much for having me. I'm so excited to talk with you guys. I write historical and sometimes fantasy romance and I've written five books. One of them is a Christmas romance also. <laughs> yeah, that's about it about me. <laughs> We have read some of your books on the podcast. We've known you through Instagram and books for about a year now. And it's so cool to be chatting with you on the pod. I can't believe it's been like a year. Yeah, you guys are, I think I was one of your first followers. You were one of mine. So yeah, I feel like we go way back and we've been like supporting each other for almost a year. Yeah, that's crazy. Right? It came up so fast. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and it's been so fun. So when we approached you to record this episode with us, we had asked you kind of what your favorite author was. And we looked for something in that I could find in the library. And we got really lucky that we found a ton of Grace Calloway books at the library. That was the, one, the author that you had recommended us. <laughs> yeah, she's probably my favorite. Most of what I read is like historical romance. And I mean, also what I write. So I always gush about grace calloway she's probably my favorite and definitely one of my top inspirations for my own writings and i know that you guys haven't done a lot of historical stuff on your podcast so like i was excited that you guys were like happy to (laughs) to go a little bit out of what you normally do i guess and like humor me with this one so i (laughs) hope you enjoyed it (laughs) yeah i really liked it and i think we did two of your books for historical and then was yeah. that another one i can't even remember i think that's about it most of what we've done is contemporary yeah i read one historical romance outside of the podcast this year but that's i think that's about it i read all of bridgerton but that was all i have read in historical other than this novel or no i read a christmas a Christmas one that was really, really spicy in December. <laughs> Wait, didn't uh, you guys read the Lady of Something Manor? Cook's Isn't Grave, Grave Manor. It? Manor. Yes. Yes. So yes. Okay. I think we can count that as a historical. <laughs> it feels very historical when you read it. It yeah, does. I didn't read it, but I put it on my list because <laughs> because of you guys talking about it. Because it sounded great and really different. <laughs> I because highly recommend it. <laughs> <laughs> very spicy. Yeah, next time I'm in the mood for something. Just starts on page 1. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay. So, this book was 361 pages. I had the physical copy. How did you read a Penelope? Um, so I bought the ebook, the Kindle version, but I <laughs> I'm a really slow reader, so I actually have my Kindle do, like, text-to-speech. That's how I read most of my books. So it was kind of an audiobook, kind of an ebook. <laughs> oh, that's cool. I know. you told us about that before. Katie and I need to commit to Kindles. <laughs> yeah, because I don't think my Kindle app will do that. <laughs> yeah, the app doesn't do it, and you have to have a Kindle Fire. Like, a Paperwhite doesn't do it either. So Okay. Mm. I have Kindle, like, the kids' Kindle Fire tablet. It's pretty nice. I like I probably read twice as many books that way because like I'll be reading and then I have to go wash the dishes. So I'll just like turn it on and it'll read it to me. (laughs) There you go. Yeah. I like listening to books as I'm doing chores. It makes it so much easier. I agree. Yeah. Yeah. I've got this one at the library, which is kind of like the rub with the podcast. We're always trying to find books that I can find that are audiobooks at the library. So it's really nice to find authors that have multiple books. In the library, so there's so many Grace callaway books at the library, and so I'm really excited to read more. This one was 12 and a half hours, and all of her books seem pretty long, like this, like it's a solid length. Yeah, they they seem pretty similar, and a lot of them have. I mean, like a lot of romance authors do this, where like the characters overlap. So like once you get going, I love that. I actually don't love when some authors do that. Sometimes it bothers me because I feel like she's trying to like thrust these other stories on me when I don't care about those characters. I just want to read about my characters. But I think Grace Calloway does it really well. So you just get like a hint. So then when you read her other books, it's like, oh, I remember this guy. I love this guy. (laughs) And yeah, I was reading it too and kind of guessing because I know this is part of a series. But I'm guessing I haven't looked it up that the first book was about... Morgan and his wife Helena, and I feel like there's probably more stories like with I don't know. There's we'll talk more about like the police officer and Lady Draven later. I feel like there's something there. Yeah. So when I read a book for the podcast, I try to find reviews to also kind of see what other people had talked about it and what stuck out to some people, and I can kind of compare what I thought about it before we talk about it. And so I was trying to find somebody who had made a review for this book or Grace Calloway, and I found somebody who arced this book in like one of her historical month things and she had read a bunch of grace talloway and she s- said that there was like in this series a story with a police officer and a single woman i think you're right that the first story is about the two characters and i really agree penelope that it was really sprinkled in it doesn't feel like forced like some authors will do like an epilogue yeah. in another character's point of view yeah and yeah. sometimes it's not done well like, sometimes it bothers me, but I thought it was, I think it's okay in her books. I don't mind it in her books. So I'm definitely interested to read more in this series because I think there's only four. Yeah, I think she has, wait, what's this series called? What's, what's this one? Mayhem Man- and May. So I think she has, there's like four in this one. And then I think another one also has four or six. I can't remember now. But I think that even within that, I think there might be some overlap between the two series. Just like a little bit, which is kind of fun. I think I've read like 10 of her books now and I read them all out of order and not in the series together. So like I've mixed them all up in my, in my brain. (laughs) Uh. Yeah, because it is very much like a standalone as well. Yes. Yeah. Which is important to me. I actually really struggle with series when I don't like cliffhangers. I don't like when you can't read them out of order. I don't know. (laughs) I'm a mood reader i don't know about you guys definitely a big mood reader i'll start something and be like "eh," and then i will come back to it later after i finish a different book (laughs) nice (laughs) i did that with the dragon's bride yeah i'm mostly just been reading for a podcast so i'm just trying to get through (laughs) 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 but yeah so for this book trigger warnings Remember, we are an 18 plus podcast and content warnings for this book that we have here. It says mild violence. There's blood mentioned past childhood abuse and neglect is mentioned. Child sexual assault happens off page as well. Like it's mentioned. It's not like talked about, though. A lot of it is pretty brief. I felt like just that one time he's waking his wife up with sex, basically. So she's not like able to give her consent. You know, I, I don't know. I don't know if that's a thing that needed to be mentioned. Was it consensual after she woke up? Yeah, she was enjoying it, I think. I mean, okay. yeah. It made me think of *Ice Planet Barbarians when Georgie was asleep and he started going down on her and people pointed out that that was like not super consensual because she was asleep. So I just wanted to throw that out there. I don't know. Yeah, people do need to know some things. That's why we always have you check online for any other trigger warnings. So do you have anything that you th- about thought, Penelope? Um, I was just thinking of that scene. Like, that is a tricky one, I guess. But, like, it's different if you read their story because I have read their story. So once you've read, you know, <laughs> like 350 pages of them having a relationship and having sex, then, like, the scene doesn't, I It hadn't even occurred to me that that might need to have a trigger warning. <laughs> I just always feel like it's better safe than sorry, so yeah. like, it's good to mention it rather than not. Yeah, and of course, always just double-check trigger warnings in case you miss anything. Yes. Read safely, my friends. And from now on, spoiler warning! Do, 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 do. <laughs> <laughs> so that brings us to our characters. <laughs> We've got Persephone, also who goes by Percy Fines. She's our main female character who is described as a Hellion for speaking her mind and acting on impulse and seemingly gets into trouble quite a bit, but really wants to turn it around in order to get a good match with someone in the upcoming season. It was her father's dying wish that she did so. It's important to note, too, that she believes in love i thought it was cute that she went by percy can i just say that like it's a boy's name and you don't see that and i thought it was cute i liked it too it's very fitting for her i think yeah i agree (laughs) yeah then we have paul fines who is percy's brother he suffered a disappointment in love and he hasn't really recovered and he's been having a lot of trouble gambling and drinking right he's been drinking yeah definitely he's a (laughs) mess poor boy yeah. is a mess so i wanted to ask since you read the first book which is is that nicholas and Colin's story um i think so <laughs> yeah, okay. I definitely read their story, but it was a lot, like, over a year ago. <laughs> okay. Do you hear any more about Paul's heartbreak in their story at all? No, actually. And th- that's kind of something, I at least I hope not, and I'm not just forgetting it. <laughs> if there is a book about him, I haven't read it. A book that, like, talks about him. So maybe there is. Oh. Maybe there- like later in the series and i haven't read that one or something i was yeah i was thinking he would end up with charity since it was hinted that she like had a crush on him yeah i mean and maybe maybe that's the next book or something i don't know i because i that was something that i thought about the book is like oh what happened to him like he needs like he needs his story (laughs) nothing involved at all no then who's next we've got gavin hunt owner of the underworld a notorious gaming hell in the, the Covent Co- Co- Gardens am i saying that right Covent cov- 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 Covent cov- yeah in the yeah <laughs> Ga- Gavin believes that love only exists in novels and the i quote mind of feather-brained females who read them <laughs> <laughs> i love that <laughs> <laughs> Yep a, another boy who's been spurned by love or doesn't believe in it at least It seems like that's so many romance novels heroes <laughs> i feel like it's definitely it has to be a trope for sure yeah. Yeah. <laughs> i feel like we actually just covered one that was like that there was another one who didn't believe in love yeah sweet fate oh yes that's right sweet fate yeah the dirty sweet duet i guess would be better to call it yeah
1: yeah i was- liked
0: gavin Hunt butter yeah you didn't like him at the end there that was sad mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> nicholas morgan the Marquess of hartford um he's a co-owner in the shipping company that Paul and Percy's father created the same one that Paul gambles away. He's talked about being a big brother figure to Paul and Percy and he's close to the Fine family. Yes, and then we've got Lady Draven, she's seems like a wise older lady that Percy kind of looks up to. Mm-hmm. I can't remember. I think she's a widow, isn't she? Yeah, I and I think she appears in the other books too. She's like that ideal independent like older woman that <laughs> that I always look to up up to in my life, like, yeah, you're living it, you know? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I like wrote... her character a lot. And the me advice too, yeah. she gives. Yeah, she reminded me of like Lady Danbury in the Bridgerton series. Like it's like a it's a character thing, right? That happens a lot so another
1: trope.
0: Books. Another trope? <laughs> yeah, definitely another trope. Which I don't, so I fun. need to read Bridgerton. I haven't read it either. <laughs> yeah. It's pretty good. I I haven't really read much historical. I loved Gossip Girl, so it was really my style. <laughs> and then we've got Stuart. He is Hunt's mentor and like a father like figure throughout Hunt's life. And then there's a bunch of other club owners that are mentioned. There is like multiple murder mystery plots going on in this story. So there's tons of characters, tons of action. A lot happened. I was really kind of blown away, all of it, honestly. I know, and where I I don't really go into detail either with the notes on a lot of the different murder murders that happened. i felt like a lot. I wasn't sure. I felt like these. This book was kind of harder for me to make notes on and do an outline on, and just try to focus on Percy and Hunt. But there's a lot going on in the background. Yeah. Let's dive right in. So we basically covered chapter one in those character descriptions, and we're going to go into how we are introduced to Gavin Hunt in our story. He is having sex with a woman in his office. We find out that he wants to find shares of the shipping company so that he can control Nicholas Morgan's company and set his plans for vengeance into action. Apparently, Morgan was the reason Hunt had spent 10 years in the Hulk's for a crime that he did not commit yes he is very revengeful i kind of love that we just know that from the get-go like he uh, okay he's a romance hero so obviously he's like filled with passion right but but a lot of it is like manifest in anger and um vengeance and he's just he has a lot of feelings, you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, he is a very passionate man, and he yeah. is very determined. <laughs> this has like been a long time coming too, um, yeah, so Percy goes into Hunt's office, disguised as a man, which was very clever of her, but Percy right away that she is not that is not a man. He doesn't let that on, and he finds out that the person that is there to talk to him is. Her brother, their brother, out of trouble. He's like getting mad at Percy because she does. So I've, this is what I love: is that she did give her name, but she pretended to be a bull It was like kind of confusing for me at first.
1: <laughs> I was
0: like listening to the book, and I was like, okay, it, I know that her name is Persephone because I read the back of the book, but is she goes by Percy the whole time? And so I thought, I thought that was really cute as well, like how this scene played out because he continues to call her Percy, and it was so cute. But he gets mad at her for suggesting that he should be afraid of Morgan, and starts towards her. When she jumps to her feet and tries warding him off, Hunt thinks to himself, nothing roused him more than a chase. (laughs) (laughs) He calls Minx when he exposes her disguise, and after he does, they finally make headway on an agreement that could save her brother Paul from his debts to Hunt and she leaves his office with a week to decide if she should accept his bet. And this is how Hunt describes their bet. I quote, A wager of seduction, if you will. My carnal skills pitted against your notions of love and fidelity. In short, I shall attempt to divest you of your virginity, and we shall see if you can resist. (laughs) Yeah, I wasn't expecting that. (laughs) Can I just say that I at some point in my life need to be called a naughty mink by a uh, man <laughs> yet to happen to me and that needs to happen. <laughs> <laughs> right? The language and the names in this book are very new to me because I haven't read much historical romance, but I love them. I love that he calls her <laughs> a mink. Something yes. that Grace Calloway does in all of her books. The hero always has like a cute pet name for the girl, and I kind of love that. Now I can't remember what he called her in this one though. Buttercup. Buttercup, yeah, that's what it was. Yeah, it was really cute. Yeah, they're all different. One of them is Sprite, one of them is. I don't know. They're just cute though, and I love that. I know sometimes pet names can be kind of cheesy, so this one really is smooth. Like, okay, example I want to give Priest. When Tyler calls Poppy his little lamp. That one. That was a little much. That was a, that was way too much because <laughs> he was like thinking about God at the same time, and I was like, "Oh my God, Tyler!" No. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, those books. Yeah. <laughs> okay, so once Percy leaves, he has Alfie. Did we talk about Alfie? Oh, we didn't. No, <laughs> we didn't. So Alfie is like this. He's like a young boy that kind of works for hunt so he when percy leaves he makes alfie follow her and like keep tabs on her but makes sure that he knows he's not to like pickpocket her (laughs) (laughs) i kind of loved alfie and that whole dynamic yes i loved it too so then we get some more of hunt's backstory and we learn that when he was 10 when his mom abandoned him And a sweep named Grimes came by and offered him an apprenticeship, which Hunt deeply regrets taking. Grimes kept his apprentices caged like slaves. Morgan was among them, and Hunt had begged Morgan to take him with him. But instead, Morgan had, quote, knocked him senseless. Then when Hunt came to, he was surrounded by flames and then blamed for the fire. And that's why he spent 10 years in prison. And that's where he met Stuart, who kept him under his wing. And in that fire, the guy who that they were doing the apprenticeship for was murdered. So there was like this extra layer of bad to the whole situation. And that guy was a total creep on those little boys. Seriously. Ugh. (laughs) Yeah, it was not good. And then we have Gavin Hunt's spicy fantasy about Miss Fines to talk about. And here are just a couple quotes. He could picture Percy's blue eyes widening as he fondled her, tweaking the buds between finger and thumb. Her mixture of naivety and wantonness inflamed him. He would taste one saucy nipple, sucking one cheek than the other, until she began to squirm and buck against his hand. (laughs) (laughs) He fell back against the pillows, panting, confounded by the power of his relief. What was it about that bloody chit? (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> <laughs> it was very detailed i had to go back and make sure it was just a fantasy at first because i was like wait a second did i miss something no that also confused me actually that was a weird like they stopped like she stopped saying that he was imagining it and he was just talking about it like it was happening i yeah, know <laughs> yeah it's like all right wow i know and he i was impressed that he didn't sleep with anybody during this whole time like it was just him and his hand the whole t- the time t- <laughs> <of> the bet. <laughs> Yeah. So, this just sets us off here. <laughs> <laughs> so, Percy confines to her friend Charity about everything. From the debt her brother has gotten himself into all the way to the wager that Mr. Hunt had offered. And Charity tells Percy that she should write to her mom, the Marquess of Hartford. And in the end, Charity offers to go and see how Paul is doing for Percy. So her mom is like on a trip out of town. So she's kind of there by herself trying to help her brother. But her friend is trying to get her to get someone to help her with what's going on here. But we learn a little later that Paul is not doing well again. Like he's doing work and he's tired of hiding and Ready to hand over his whole inheritance, and this is what makes Percy decide she's gonna take Gavin Hunt up on his wager because it's a wanton wager. <laughs> <laughs> this is one of the things that made Percy like feel really relatable to me because this is the kind of thing that I do. Like, I get myself in trouble because I'm like, Well, I need to help somebody else. Like, even if it's not good for me, I'll do it for them instead because helping them is like more important than my own happiness. <laughs> uh, like, that's a problem that I have, but Percy is like that too. So, I, I don't know, I I related to her a lot in that. I agree. I think being a parent, that's kind of like your first instinct all the time. You know, and so I agree. Like, you're always kind of worried about taking care of everyone around you. She really cares about her family. It's one of the most important things to her. Percy, I mean. Yeah, which I don't. I mean, of course, that's your instinct. But, like, her family has not been, like, amazing to her. <laughs> no. They had expectations of her that just, like, were not Percy. They wanted her to be completely... different than who she was yeah totally and paul is maybe a little bit of a deadbeat like he's just gambling all the time and drinking and yeah (laughs) i thought it was good though at at the end i don't know if we have the notes on it um because it's more of like a percy and her mom moment but her mom does tell her at the end like everyone is proud of you and everyone does love you and percy is like really having that breakdown moment of accepting herself and accepting that the people around her do love her i love that scene too i kind of wish that like her dad had been there too because it seems like that's where some of the stress from her came from yeah. but yeah, to have that conversation with her mom is really nice yeah and then one afternoon percy is out shopping when a little thief steals her maid's purse and she has to run after him mr hunt swoops in and he had staged the whole thing to get a moment alone with percy he claims to be there to remind percy of their wager and she tells him that she would never like someone like him this angers hunt he has her pressed up against the display case she ends up slapping him and he admits to deserving it i really (laughs) like that part (laughs) i thought that was great but he then dares her to kiss him as a way to prove that she wouldn't be affected by him and she agrees and i quote Tis to be one kiss only no touching or anything else of the sort and it ends when i say it ends and then i quote he lowered his mouth to hers at the contact he felt a tremble of awareness pass through her and damn if he didn't feel a jolt himself we learn that percy had only ever kissed two other men before simple little pecks yeah, these society ladies are not so even supposed to do that. So it's kind of a big deal that they be kissing. They're not supposed to be kissing people at all, even little like little pecks. No, no way. <laughs> Ooh, very scandalous. When, I imagine it was like a childhood thing, you know, like Paul's friends when they were like twelve years old or something. You know, like that's what I imagine. Oh yeah, yeah, so, yeah. <laughs> So, at a ball that Percy is attending, she's eavesdropping on a group of guests, and they start talking about how the only reason that anyone is paying any kind of attention to Percy this season is because of the dowry she has. And then Lady Draven intervenes and drags her away. They get talking, and Percy asks for help for attracting Lord Portland's affections, and Lady Draven agrees and gives Percy pointers that seem to work because he asks her for a dance, and then they end up going for an afternoon stroll soon after the ball. Mm. And meanwhile, Mr. Hunt cannot stop thinking about Percy, <laughs> even though he wishes that he couldn't, that he would stop thinking about her. I quote, like a pebble trapped in his boot, thoughts of her poked him constantly. He couldn't get their kiss out of his head. Apparently, she didn't have the same trouble. So she's really being under his skin now. And i she. sorry, I was just going to say I really like the descriptor of a pebble in the boot. Oh, that's, that's a good one. Yeah, I, I can imagine it very easily. It's <laughs> annoying. <laughs> that's one of these things about the historical romances that have been really hard for me to read in the past is there's so many descriptors kind of distracting for me. But with the audiobooks, it makes it really easy for me to stay on track. So I'm actually able to read stuff like this now, which has been really nice. Yeah. But yeah, Percy is definitely starting to get under his skin. and she sh- shows up in his office moments after he has these thoughts and she agrees to his wager and he convinces her to seal the deal with another kiss which she is ever supposed to but then he makes it a contest (laughs) when he first kisses her she tries thinking of other things to distract herself from the way that it feels but she fails i quote He tasted of decadence, of freedom. He probed boldly, and she responded with an ungovernable need rising within her. And when they pull away, she sees that buttons of his waistcoat had popped free. And she can't believe that she had done that. (laughs) (laughs) like, get them naked. She's very lost in the moment. Mm -hmm. And later on, when she's left his office, she's reminiscing about it, and she thinks to herself, I quote, dash it all, I am not a wicked girl. Hunt caught me off guard. That was all. <laughs> I love that. It's like the first, like, she's starting to crack. We already know where it's going to end, of course, but it's just <laughs> fun to, like, watch her. <laughs> I know, and he's yeah. so set on it. Like, his need to win the bet all the way to the end, like, was really impressive to me. That he takes, yes. <laughs> he was very calm. So was she. She was very good yeah. as well. They're both really competitive, I think. <laughs> yeah, it was a good match. I love that. So we're gonna briefly go over Percy's stroll with Lord Portland. Unbeknownst to her, Alfie was watching and reporting the whole outing back to Hunt. Her mind is preoccupied with thoughts of Gavin Hunt most of their time together. I don't know if you guys want to add anything, but there's time together seems kind of boring so I didn't really have much to say about their stroll. Percy <laughs> <see> herself wants <laughs> to bored, so. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> but this is what Alfie had to say and I'm going to try to read this quote as best as I can in this dialect. She and that pated get been wearing their Okay. Um, <laughs> I don't know if I can read this out loud. Al, can you read this quote? <laughs> I'll try it. Okay. <laughs> she and that carroty pated get been if I walks with a stick of his arse and bends his elbows more than a penny whore. Okay, yeah. Okay, I didn't understand this whore reference. He bends his elbows more than a penny whore. I don't know. Is that a historical romance thing? I don't know either. <laughs> okay, because I was like, I don't get it, Alfie. What are you talking about? <laughs> I think, like, when you're bent over, your elbows are bent. I don't know. I have no idea. But I thought whore. it was funny. I think I really liked Alfie. He was funny. I liked him too. Yeah, I'm not sure what that means. <laughs> <laughs> Somehow, even though I don't know what they're talking about, it still paints a picture. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, it really does. And a stuffed shirt. That isn't the only time somebody gets called a stuffed shirt either. I found that really funny. So now it's time for some real excitement. Percy's outing with Gavin. Maybe one of my favorite scenes, actually. So it's about 10 at night when she meets him and he takes her to Vauxhall to watch an opera. He's brought her a disguise to put on to protect her identity and she puts it on before she leaves the stagecoach. And she uses a fake name for the night, which I have to add, I love that about the, him that he was like thinking ahead for her well-being. That he like brought a wig for her. <laughs> like, yeah, it was very thoughtful. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> So her strategy for the night is to keep as much distance between her and Hunt as possible and to stay in the public's eye. Then after dancing, Gavin wants to take her to a special spot to watch the fireworks, and of course, it's away from the public. They get a little bit lost before they can find the spot, and men who had been following them attack Gavin and Percy. He tells her to run, but Percy is no coward, and she stays back and helps Gavin. And here's a quote. She yanked off her slipper and rushed into the fray. She glimpsed the attacker's look of surprise the instant before she let loose the contents of her shoe. Gravel and sand sprayed him directly in the face. <laughs> She's really sticking up for her mans. <laughs> she kind of reminds me of Rapunzel entangled. Oh, totally. I could see that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> With their frying pan. That's so cute. Gavin and Percy take that opportunity to run off to the guard station and manage to get away from their attackers. Gavin ends up scooping Percy up into his arms and carrying her the last bit of the way there once he sees her kind of limping along. And at the guard station, things get a little spicy between Gavin and Percy. I quote, Hell's teeth. She was so sweet. His eyes closed with the pleasure of it, with the unbearable hunger he felt. And easing her back onto the table, he kissed the smooth curve of her breast, licked in teasing circles towards the light peak. But things don't progress much further because he starts to feel guilty and doesn't want to take advantage of her. She was just attacked and running from a dangerous man. So this is the first time that he doesn't think about his bet over top of being a decent person. He's getting his conscience back. It's like they also have the little hint about him with the kids, like him with Alfie, like little snippets where you start to realize like, oh, he's like a nice person, like underneath his growth exterior where all he cares about is revenge. And like, oh, he's actually like kind of a decent guy. Yeah, I I kind of got the impression that he didn't like to admit how decent he actually was. Yeah, that's a good way. I, I agree with that. <laughs> But a few days later, Percy goes to Lady Draven for advice on how to tell if she found the one. And this was just my favorite piece of advice. Marianne, Lady Draven, tells Percy that the right gentleman is, I quote, the one who values you for who you are, who sees your flaws and cares not a jot. When you are together, you love not only him, but yourself. And that's then, I, yeah, I really like that. Yeah, I have that one down at the bottom, too. I loved that quote. I saved it, too. Yeah, and then Percy asks how she can fend off unwanted attachment, and Marianne says that she can, I quote, drive him away with your gender-given talents, which I thought was hilarious. (laughs) I love this advice because it's like how to lose a guy in 10 days. That's what I was going to (laughs) say! Yes. Okay, I love that movie. She even uh, brought the little dog and everything. <laughs> yes. I don't think I've I've seen that movie. I think I I was little when that that came out. Right? What year was it when it came out? I like, don't know. 2010. I don't know. Oh, 2010. I was a little. Oh, uh, no, okay. Never before mind. Before that, even. I don't it's know. It's like Kate Hudson and Matthew McConaughey. Yeah. I think I saw that movie in theater with my mom and grandma. Yeah, New York. But I don't remember it. It's so good. Oh, wow. 2003. Okay, yeah, I was way off. <laughs> okay, yeah. So there's that movie, and then there was another movie with an older actor. What is his name? He was in... What is his name? Jack Nichols. Both of those movies, I think, came out around the same time, the movie that Jack Nichols was in. And it was really awkward because 2003, I was like, what? Eight? Nine? Maybe. And I saw those movies in the theater with my mom and grandma. Was like, no. <laughs> yeah, those are <laughs> <laughs> not movies I should have gone to the theater to, but I remember them vividly. <laughs> well, <laughs> parts of them. <laughs> anyway. Well, so I'll describe the scene because there definitely are some similarities between the scene in How to Lose a in 10 Days. So Percy uses the advice that Lady Draven had given her to, like, get rid of his attachment to her by being super annoying (laughs) so the next time she meets she has lots of perfume that makes gavin sneeze and she is really chatty and talks and is just generally annoying in her conversation and then of course gavin sees right through her that she's trying to irritate him on purpose and Mm -hmm. quote doing a damn good job she also has like a kind he thought I love the description. He thought that she brought like a little handbag with her or something and then like its head perks up and it turns out it's like a <laughs> tiny gross little dog. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Which she does in How to Lose a Guy in 10 Days. She brings her little dog and then what is it, pee on the pool table or something? <laughs> yeah. She bought him a dog. She's like left him oh. a dog. <laughs> yeah. He's like, he's our dog. She got them matching outfits with the dog. <laughs> Oh, my God. That was so good. But yeah, Hunt decides to play her game with her and takes her through a secret passageway to show her more of the club. So he's like, you are being annoying, but I will still take you out with me. (laughs) He tells her that there's a part of the club that she can't see and he leaves her alone for a moment, telling her to stay right where she's at and he'll be back in a moment. And that gave me, like, really after vibes. I was like, that's annoying. We don't like to be put in the corner and told to wait. But we know that, you know, she doesn't listen. And he knows that she won't listen. Yeah. (laughs) So she sneaks out and peeks and sees people having sex and drinking everywhere. And before she can get back to where she was supposed to be, Hunt catches her. I quote, don't be afraid of who you are. You're perfect, Percy. Passionate and brave. Everything a man could want. He so starts laying the lines down. He offers her a truce that they'll continue the wager, and her virginity will be safe for the next three meetings. But they can explore other avenues of bliss <laughs> in the meantime. So things get pretty spicy, and we're gonna take a lot of these posts when we do go to our spice rating section at the bottom. But here's some dry humping, dirty talk, and everything going on. Do you like having your pearl tickled? Do you want me to diddle you harder, faster? I'm kind of surprised that we didn't see more of the club in this. Like, so this is kind of like a Hades Persephone retelling, right? But so his club is the underworld. But this was kind of the only like real look into the club that we actually saw. And I was surprised by that. I agree. I I thought we would see more of the club as well because... It's mentioned occasionally that he has the club. Hell? Is it just called Club Hell or something like that? Oh, like a gaming hell? Something like that. Yeah. So every time they mentioned it in like the kind of the poetry of it all. I loved at this point, though, that they had started to break their previous agreement already to like he he's letting her know that she's safe with him for the next couple meetings and that he's not going to have sex with her. But she's allowed to explore her sexuality with him. Yeah I thought that was kind of fun and like well because if I think if he hadn't done that there would have been like too much pressure like she wouldn't have been able to enjoy herself because she's just thinking about the wager and like her determination to resist him so I feel like it had to kind of be that way. He just knew that she was going to eventually give in like it was I felt like it was kind of caring of him. Yeah I agree. Well, and he's obviously very experienced, like, the first time we meet him, he's literally having sex with some prostitute. Like, <laughs> like he knows what he's doing, and she's inexperienced, so, like, he just knows that she's gonna cave at some point, so he's just gonna, like, let her enjoy it for a while. Yes, I love that about these historical books, how they're, like, always watching the um, little miss's reactions, oh. and they're like, she doesn't even know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So we're going to be skipping forward a bit. Hunt is thinking that perhaps marrying Percy is a good form of revenge against Morgan, and he secretly meets with Percy in the bookstore aisles. Percy tells Hunt that she has no intentions of encouraging Lord Portland anymore. This pleases Gavin as he's starting to feel pretty possessive of Percy at this point. A man attacks the pair, and although Gavin gets a punch in, the attacker is able to get away but drops a dagger. And the dagger has Lion's mark on it, who he believes is behind the attacks, and Lion is a another club owner. Kind of like a rival of one of his rivals. Yeah. This is when the plot thickens. When all the murder starts. Yeah. <laughs> the murder. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> So jumping forward a little bit more now, um, we're put into Nicholas's perspective for the first and only time. So he had just woken up for the morning, still in bed, and he decides to wake up his wife by sucking on her nipples. Um, He lines her entrance up to his dick, and before he can enter her, there's a knock on the door. Anna Fine says that they must go because her children need her, and off they go. Nicholas Morgan, Gavin Hunt's great enemy, is returning to London. I what kind of liked see- that she put that little little bit in of his perspective. Oh, that's what I was going to ask, because I actually don't really like that. <laughs> you didn't? I thought it felt very dramatic. <laughs> yeah, I just, I, I almost wish that it was either, like, a regular thing in the book, or not there at all. You know, like, just having one scene like that, just... That's true. I don't know, but, I mean, that's just personal preference no i think it's something that could have been easily taken out too and not necessary but for me so for me in the audiobook it was like i was listening to it and i kind of understood that it was somebody else but i was like confused about who it was the perspective change kind of threw me off several paragraphs in before i realized oh this isn't our main character but meanwhile back in london a man named magnus has just told hunt that Paul now owes a bunch of money to a man named O'Brien. And he and his mentor, Stuart, discovered Lyon has been killed. So Paul had gone to Percy and she gave him everything that she had and it wasn't enough to pay off his debt to O'Brien. So Percy goes to visit Hunt and sees what they can do. When she gets there, she sees Evangeline hanging all over Hunt and like tossing sex toys around <laughs> and her reaction was in the bag of sex toys with her into his office and like dumped them out on the table. <laughs> She's like, we're gonna do this here and now <laughs> I quote, get your hands off of him. I am with him. <laughs> and Gavin reassures Percy that he hadn't seen Evangeline since they had met up. Like he hadn't slept with anybody. He's reassuring her that, like, ever since their wager, he's not getting chlamydia. <laughs> <laughs> I honestly, I guess, I shouldn't have been surprised because it's Percy. But I feel like point where we got that third act breakup, and I'm glad it didn't happen. Yeah, me too. Yeah, I agree. It, it was. I'm really sick of that third act breakup right now. <laughs> So I'm really glad it did not go that way. And they still had their wager going. I don't think Hunt would have let her go anywhere anyway. That's true. And I think she's too competitive to have backed away. Yeah. Yeah, That's how I go for her. (laughs) But this whole event leads up to Gavin opening up about his past for the first time ever to anybody and he opens up to Percy. He tells her about being sent to prison for the house fire that he didn't start and that he spent 10 years in prison so he really became a man on the inside of jail and that his mentor Stuart was the one that had given him the scar on his face while he was in prison to make him stronger and stuff like you know some wild crap. So this is why he likes control so much and in the bedroom especially because his life has been so hard and chaotic. And Percy tells him, When I am with you, I feel truly myself, truly free, as I have never been before. You don't judge me or try to make me into someone I am not, and I desire you. Being in your arms is the best place I've ever been. And it's after this conversation that Hunt tells Percy he will pay off Paul's debts and ask O'Brien to have him barred from his premises. So, comes in handy to have... The local casino guy as your boyfriend. (laughs) I kind of love the whole trope of like the guy with the tortured past who has learned from life that it's not okay to ever be vulnerable with anyone. And then some girl comes along and is like a big, like she's so soft. And then he's like, oh, okay, well, maybe I can let down my walls a little bit. Like, I know that's like, I swear that's like half of romance out there. But I kind of love it. <laughs> me too. Okay. And I need to shout out LM Drew's book that I just read, *Trapped and Guru Reed, because that's that's the trope in the book too. And I love it so much. It's my favorite. Yeah. Kitty likes a broody boy. Love the Birdie <laughs> boys. Oh, me too. doesn't. <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah. sighs> Also, love a boy in touch with his emotions, and just side note, I was watching the NFL draft with my grandparents earlier, and one of the guys, he was talking about how he's really into manifesting and journaling with his mom, and I was like, oh my god. (laughs) Wow. (laughs) I know. This football player, and he was talking about it on the TV, and I was like, nice. (laughs) Mm Good was, for him. I know, it was great. But anyway, that's a side note. <laughs> <laughs> He's probably like, I don't know, fresh out of college, so probably only like 23, 22. Yeah. But, <sighs> anyways, Percy and Gavin get an entire night together, and we're going to talk about that next. She is supposed to be at charities having a little sleepover. But she spends the night with Gavin instead. Gavin gives her this beautiful brooch that is a golden feather with, like, a drop of ink made out of a sapphire. He had planned a romantic candlelit picnic for them. And I think this was my favorite little, like, date that he had set them up for. And he tells her that he wants her in all ways that he can have her. And here's a quote. But I will win this bloody wager and you will marry me, he said with calm arrogance. You know you want to. <laughs> <laughs> so definitely not the proposal Percy was envisioning for herself, but she knew it was coming, nonetheless. <laughs> and then he decorated her with like, a confection and licks it off of her. So this is another book with some food play. And afterwards <laughs> they take like a nice steamy bath together. And he really, really wants to have sex with her. So here's a a few quotes. Feel how your pussy quivers, how badly it wants me to fill it. You need my cock inside you. me in where I belong. But she won't betray her brother and lose the wager to him. He's about to tell her that gaining her brother's shares of the company that her father had started is more about Morgan and not about her brother Paul when they hear gunshots. Food play, yes or no? I'm on the fence about food play. But I loved how they did it in this scene because it was done in a way that wasn't, like, too weird. I agree. Sometimes it gets weird in this. Yeah, I agree. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I've, uh, I think I've only read one other book that was reset with food play in it. And it's okay. I can good with or without it. You gotta be careful with being a woman where that stuff goes. That's true. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I'm kind of on the same page with you. Like, if it's in a book, then okay, but it's not, like, a thing that I get really excited about. (laughs) No. (laughs) I really like how he phrased it as, like, this is me taking care of you. Oh, yeah, I love that, too. That was the part of it that, like, makes it different to me. I feel like if if it's, like, eat this food and it's so hot to see this go in your mouth, like, that's a little bit, like, different. (laughs) Then like, I want you know, you're gonna listen to me and you're gonna eat because I told you to. You know? Yeah. Yeah, there's a cake. Actually, I just learned about it, like feeders. Yeah. But hmm. yeah, I don't know. Um So yeah. Like, okay. I don't know. yeah. Um, so resuming after they heard gunshots. So Paul is outside of the underworld drunk and waving a gun around. He'd heard from people who said that they worked for Hunt, that Hunt had seduced Percy, and he's there to put a bullet through his head. Percy rushes forward and stands between her brother and Hunt. They all three are bickering back and forth when more gunshots go off, and Stuart collapses on top of Hunt. He's been shot. Gavin's guard gets the brutes that had fired the gun and is safe again. Nicholas Morgan, along with the Thames River policemen, arrive, and Hunt gets his moment, or at least he thinks he does. Hunt declares Morgan had put an innocent man into jail once before, and Morgan has no idea who Hunt even is still at this point and is really confused. But then Hunt reminds Morgan about the boy he left to die in the fires, and Morgan reveals everything. He admits to stabbing Grimes in the heart, and Percy goes to comfort him, much to Gavin's displeasure. Morgan continues on and makes a comment about how he had hoped he would be able to find the boy he left behind someday to make amends, and Gavin can't believe what he's hearing. Morgan also goes on to say that he wasn't the one to set the fire, which Gavin also does not believe, and Percy trying to calm him down and showing support for Morgan just makes Gavin more angry. Gavin tries getting Percy to go with him, but she asks him, was this all about revenge, our wager? Would you have honored it if I had won? Then Gavin tells her that she would never have won the wager and tells her that if she steps away from him to never come back again. In the end, Percy does end up leaving with Morgan and Hunt is left alone. What yeah. a scene. <laughs> it was very heavy. There's a lot going on. Yeah, so much revealed. No, I know. And, then, and... I didn't oh. trust. I still didn't trust Morgan at this point. Me neither. <laughs> I I trusted him. I couldn't wait to see what happened next. This is when I realized, oh yeah, this is a murder mystery. I, <laughs> it took me this long. And <laughs> I was like, this isn't just like a romance novel. There's a lot there's this other stuff happening on the side. Not like just a romance novel but you know what I mean? like Yeah, a strong plot carrying it too, which I always appreciate. Not that a book that starts with sex on page one there's nothing wrong with that. Just I I appreciate the plot sometimes, too. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, so that was kind of, it was really nice. It was that that kept my ears perked. And it made it easier to, like, follow the story and keep my interest going. So it was really exciting. I think this is the first book that we've had on the podcast in a while, too, that really follows more than just a romance. Mm-hmm. Because we had Sweet Fate, which is all about Dylan not getting over himself and believing in love again, pretty much. And then you have, like, the the Saint series. I guess the Devil's Night series, There's plot. But it's not like this. I liked this a lot. It was a nice change. Yeah, but I also felt like this scene was kind of like when Percy was realizing that Hunt, like, she knew he had baggage, but she's realizing that. If she's gonna be with him, that this is the baggage that she's gonna have to navigate, and I was glad that she stood her ground and then came back later. I like that too, because then it's like her choice, and she's not just going on a whim sort of and thing. being told what to do and listening. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. So now a few days have passed, and Morgan has Percy guarded by Mr. Kent, the policeman, and Mr. Kent has to like follow her everywhere she's forbidden to go near mr hunt anymore so she goes to a bookstore but because the aisles are too narrow kent waits in the lobby of the store and someone slips percy a note and the note is supposed to be from hunt wanting to meet her in the back of the store so that he can make amends so she goes out to the back and she's kidnapped i knew immediately that that note didn't sound like hunt (laughs) I was like, thank Percy, you. come on. Yeah, seriously. <laughs> that note did not sound brooding at all. <laughs> it doesn't. Like, come on. He. Uh, anyway, yeah. <laughs> but to make a long story short, the man that had told Hunt about Paul being in debt to O'Brien Magnus, briefly mentioned him before, was behind the kidnapping. He was working with a man named Kingsley, who is another rival of Hunt's. And he was the one to set the fire all those years ago that put Hunt in jail. Gavin and Morgan, they come to the rescue and save Percy. She's unharmed. Both Kingsley and Magnus end up dead, right? I'm pretty sure they do. I think Magnus is left like for Hunt to deal with, isn't he? But they don't really go into, th- into that. It's terrible that I'm not positive. <laughs> I'm not yeah. positive yeah. now either. That <laughs> <laughs> I'm like talking out loud. <laughs> Yeah, like, four hours ago I finished this, and I don't honestly remember for sure. (laughs) Something happens. They're not a problem anymore. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) But, yeah. (laughs) There's a lot that happened, though. There was another fire, like, a column landed on Hunt's leg, trapping him, and Morgan had to help, and Percy had to drag Hunt out from under it he almost died. It was very dramatic. Yeah, that was really intense. He was like, leave me. Don't let me. (laughs) I want to not die knowing that you're safe. And isn't that the first time, too, that he tells her that he loves her? I think so, yeah. It might be. It was was a lot. So then, I guess everything's kind of resolved. So then we jump three months later. Sort of like an epilogue thing. And Percy and Hunt have their wedding. He allowed Paul to basically throw him a bachelor's party. They all sat around telling stories and drinking, and it made him nervous to have sex with Percy um, because he'd never had sex with a virgin before, and, quote, apparently they bled, some even screamed, a lot. <laughs> I was like, oh my well, yeah, god, this poor man That's yeah traumatized yeah. stories. <laughs> so when t- the time comes to consummate their marriage, Gavin takes his time and Percy basically had to beg him to have sex with her. (laughs) Mm -hmm. And then he makes her orgasm three times. And that's when she takes matters into her own hands and tells him that she's ready. Here's a little quote. Slow, sturdy thrust that took away her innocence and replaced it with something far more wondrous. When they're done, he teases her and reminds her that he won the wager because it was only their fifth meeting together. (laughs) I I didn't even put that together. (laughs) I know. I was (laughs) like, oh my gosh. This guy did not. What a man. (laughs) Yeah. He says, if it's any consolation, Percy, I might have taken the wager. But you have won my heart and soul. (laughs) Oh, so (laughs) cheesy and sweet. I I love it, though. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) And then that puts us in the epilogue. Hunt has sold his club percy finished her book the perils of priscilla there had been like little pieces of her book throughout the story which i thought was really fun that i had seen other historical romances do similar things her book is doing super well it's flying off the shelves percy's mom adores hunt especially since he opened up a school for kids that need help like they call them foundlings and Percy tells Hunt that they are expecting a baby right at the end. So that wraps up the story. Yeah. hmm Now don't want me to do my transition music. Yes. Do, do 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 do. I don't know why. I feel embarrassed to do it when we have got guests. <laughs> <laughs> oh you <should. laughs> We need music, Al. (laughs) We need (laughs) to get, like, a keyboard. (laughs) You do a great job. Thank you. (laughs) Anyway, now that brings us to our rating when we talk about whether the main love interest was a book boyfriend, husband, or if he just belongs in the garbage can. (laughs) I love that rating system. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Well, book husband for me. Me too. I agree. He, like you said earlier, he's so passionate. I never really thought about it that way. And I love that descriptor. And I think that that is makes a good book husband. I like how he takes care of her too. And he's very thoughtful. He's great. I loved him. Yes. And he like called her his. He was like, you're mine. And she was like, that goes both ways. And he was like, that's <laughs> my <Smile on> me. <laughs> yeah. I, I love it too. He didn't want to change her and loved her just exactly how she was. It was great. Yeah, I love it was just what, what Lady Draven said. Like, it ended up coming true. It was perfect. Yeah. yeah. And that brings us to our spice rating. So, we have created an acronym for spice. It goes sexual tension for S, penis and pussy for P, intercourse for I, communication for C, and erotic kinks and tropes for E. So we're going to start talking off about the sexual tension. What did you guys think of the sexual tension in this book? I loved it. <laughs> the fact that the, they have a wager going on about whether she's going to like have sex with him. I don't know. It's a really, it's like a fun setup for the whole, every scene between them. Like, is it going to happen this time or not? I like it yeah. too. I thought it yeah. was very tension filled. And I love that touch at the end that he was, even then he was still too scared to like go through with it. <laughs> at the end yeah. so that was sweet and i think that they're enemies to lovers right like not really though they're not enemies like but he's got beef like, i don't her know. brother. so i mean kind of because it's like a family she's defending her brother against him so i i think that that counts i don't know I mean, yeah, he's like an enemy against their family. He plans on destroying their father's company. So I would say it's enemies. <laughs> that makes him sound so evil. Yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, at first I think she thought he was a little evil before yeah, she got to know him. He's got a scary scar on his face. <laughs> <laughs> and that brings us to P for Penis and Pussy. Yeah, I have a couple of quotes. Uh, Normally this part's like to talk about if anything's described. I don't know. and. He talks about her pussy a lot, and I quote, You have the sweetest pussy, so soft and lush. Shall I pet it, make it purr? I thought that was interesting. <laughs> He's got away with words. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Calling her clit a pearl. I liked that. <laughs> I think that's kind of common in historical romance. The pearl? It's, yeah, it's kind of funny how the terms, I don't know, they get used over and over again. But I've okay. heard I've heard Pearl like a lot. Or have it, so I need to read more of these. <laughs> yeah. Or like Bud. I don't know if they ever say Bud in Contemporary as much, but in historical that's that's used a lot too. Yeah, I, I think I've hear I've heard Bud a lot too. Okay. I don't know. I think Bud happens a lot less. It's definitely they say clit a lot in contemporary. Yeah, which I've never read in historical like that term. Yeah, like rarely used in historical. And oh, okay. So here, when Percy puts her her hand on Gavin's penis for the first time, I quote, "Oh, her eyes were wide and curious." It's um rather forthright, isn't it? <laughs> Beneath her scrutiny, the Randy monster swelled further. I love this descriptor. <laughs> Me too. <laughs> oh. there's never really too much talk about that one. Oh, that's where the monster romances would come in handy <laughs> with this section. <laughs> so that brings us to Eye for Intercourse. And they only have, like, the one time at the end, right? Mm-hmm. There's a lot of build up though, to yeah. it. He doesn't ever go down on her, does he? I think he goes down on her, doesn't he? I thought he did. Yeah, doesn't? I thought he went down on her a couple of times. Yeah. Was it a couple times? Yeah, and then she goes down on him once, I believe, and he was so taken aback because he was thinking about how if he were to go to pay for that, it costs extra. Yeah, he was like... (laughs) He was very shocked. That was so sweet. He was like, (laughs) I'm not paying you. Don't do that. Yeah, I know. (laughs) Oh, no, it was... It's okay. It's okay, Gavin. People do want to do that just because they want to. (laughs) (laughs) It's not too much of a chore, buddy. But yeah, this was way spicier than I expected, which was so fun. And I don't know why. Like, Bridgerton isn't crazy spicy, but the one historical romance that I read at Christmas time was like crazy spicy too, similar to this. So that was a lot of fun. I think this was actually less spicy than her other books to be honest Ooh. <laughs> like I think the first book of hers that I read like the the opening scene is like the two main characters hiding behind the drapes in some house or club or something watching people have a threesome in the room but like hiding behind the curtain so they don't see them <laughs> oh my gosh that's, but that's the opening <laughs> scene. so yeah <laughs> Her books are pretty spicy, but I think she does it really well. Like, it's tastefully done. It's not too much. Yeah. I agree. I'm excited to read more. Me too. I'm definitely going to get more. I ordered that book you had mentioned that was a friends to lovers by her. And then that brings us to communication. How do you think that uh, they communicated and the communication throughout the story was there wasn't a whole lot of miscommunication was there yeah that's what i was just thinking i don't think there was because i don't really like that in books when like all the problems would just be solved if they if they would just talk to each other i don't really yes like that. i hate that like, it's very yeah. annoying it, it just seems a lot i know i agree and i think it just seems kind of lazy but i loved in this that most of the conflict was like external It was like the murders going on and the issues with her brother. So the the couple, the drama was outside of their relationship. And I Mm -hmm. like that. Yeah. Yeah. And Percy wasn't just going to let Hunt get away. And Hunt wasn't just going to let Percy get away without talking about it. It felt like to me, you know? Yeah. Oh, yeah. When she walks in on... The other prostitute lady trying to have sex with him, like, she sent her out, and then they were going to talk about it, and then they talked about it. Like, (laughs) yeah, she's not going to have it any other way. Yeah, I love that. And so, Mr. Kevin Hunt is also, he's got a way with words, like we had said earlier. And here's another fun quote from him. I love your tits, he growled. I want to suck these pretty nipples so hard they'll remember my kiss. Do you want me to? So... Yeah, I like the way he talks in this book. <laughs> mm-hmm. He's a good like, good talker. <laughs> yeah, that's something I love about romance novels. Dirty talk just comes across so well. If you said any of this stuff in real life, it would just sound so ridiculous. Like, if someone said that to me while we were having sex, I would bust up laughing, you know? Uh, <laughs> but in real yeah. it's like, yes, give me more. <laughs> right? It's so funny in real life. But <laughs> the yeah. boss like, yes. <laughs> i've had to really embrace the laughter in my life because this kind of stuff is so fun in real life too you just have to like be open enough to laugh about it together um and i think that that's really fun so reading these books and like laughing about them together i think it's just so bonding love you guys That's what I love about the whole romance community. Like, I don't think anyone completely takes themselves seriously. We're all just here to have fun. Like that, and I love it. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> uh, yes, and so that brings us to e Erotic's kinks and tropes. There were a couple kinks that stuck out. Like praise and is a self made man. Oh, that's a trope. I think that's a trope. That's a trope that I had when I was doing, listening to the videos that I was, uh, earlier about historical romances. This one girl was talking about it. She had like a bingo card and self made man was on like, the <sighs> card. <laughs> And this book was on there. So I've added that here for my research. I definitely think that's a trope in historical. Maybe it is more in historical. Okay. Yeah. Especially like the poor guy from the street. Becoming like you know a wealthy business owner or merchant or tradesman or something. Yeah, definitely a trope I think. And is there any other tropes you guys h- saw? um I mean, mixing with kink tropes, like there was some food play. Didn't they have sex in a bathtub? Did they have sex? Yes. In a well, they were about to. They were very close. Yeah. So those two come to mind. I mean, this is kind of supposed to be a Hades and Persephone retelling, which I guess is like a trope. Though, if if her name wasn't Persephone and his club wasn't called the Underworld, oh my god, like, are I mean, you kidding me? This is a Hades. This is a Hades. Yeah, no, that's what I. That's what I was gonna say. If you didn't, if her name wasn't Persephone, like you, you would never know that it was. It didn't really feel like it was to me at all. Yeah, but now it's so obvious that you say it. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, oh my god. <laughs> you didn't put that together already no i did not i completely just didn't even think about it <laughs> but i was like wow this is there's a lot of greek mythology in this book oh my god <laughs> yeah i i think this is super obvious though so i don't think you should feel bad like <laughs> no <laughs> No, and I I was about to say, I really liked that it was kind of light throughout the story, like their wager and everything was similar, but it wasn't like tacked down to this, the whole story of Hades and Persephone. Yeah. But yeah. So what do you think your overall Pepper rating would be? I'm not positive how you guys rate that, so I'm not sure. <laughs> Feel like. Like yeah, it's so right or wrong. It's not too serious. It's not. It's not serious. Yeah, Mm -hmm. like out of five or or yeah. Oh yeah, out of five. Like just random, I guess. (laughs) Honestly, let's see. Probably like a three out of five. Like they only officially had sex like one time. Mm -hmm. I don't know. It was pretty steamy though. I yeah, I think three. I think three is a good number too. And I agree. Mm -hmm. I agree. Three. A a part. A part of me wants to go like three and a half because it. Was steamier than I expected, but I don't think it's definitely not for pepper. Yeah, there was a lot of tension, which is kind of spicy, but not actual sex. I don't mm. know. That's kind of cheeky. Yeah, I think that's a good point to make. That's, and that's why we added part of the spice rating as well. So we remember, like, that tension part is definitely part of the spice. I agree. it is a trickier book though to rate i feel like for spice because they only do end up having actual like penetrative vaginal sex once but there's a lot of like fantasies that we weren't sure were real or not for a minute there there were like the oral and there's some fingering i think but yeah so that brings us to our book review how did you guys review this book i gave it a four stars I really really enjoyed it. It was really great. I think I would also give it four stars, and I feel bad for doing this, but I always do this with authors. Like this is a great book, but it wasn't. A- I didn't like it as much as her other books, so I dock it a star because her other books I like more. Is that stupid? <laughs> no, nice. no. Your escape your rating is your own, and I feel like four is still a really great rating. It is. Yeah, I really enjoyed this. It it was really easy to get through. Really easy to read mm-hmm so people talk about how they like read heavy smut for months and then read a fantasy book and have a hard time at first with that I kind of struggled at first in that similar way reading this historical romance I was like whoa hold on a second <laughs> gotta recalibrate for the yeah. new <laughs> but the way that I rate books I've started rating them or start reading whatever is if it's a five star book it would probably i would like want to read again, right, and so for like a so I think for this one, I think it would be a four star book because I really liked it, but I don't know if I want to read it again, but I want to read more books by her, you know, <laughs> yeah. yeah, it was really enjoyable, and I feel like I've only dibbled my toes in the historical romance so far, and I really need to just like let loose and invest Go more time on it yeah <laughs> thank you so much for talking with us today penelope about her wanton wager by grace calloway no yeah, thanks for having me and thanks for humoring me by letting me pick the book <laughs> yeah I- of course i'm glad yeah, we read it we needed a good historical romance too since it's been so long since your book yeah and that has been a while yeah. yeah, that was November, I think. Which, by the way, don't forget to go check out Penelope's page and check out her books. They're amazing. And they're very, very cute. Well, thanks, guys. <laughs> I think we're definitely going to have a couple more of your books on the podcast this year. So everyone keep an eye out for that as well. We reviewed Snowdrops in Spring and Jasmine in Autumn last year on the podcast. I think Clothes and summer is coming out. We plan right now for August so that we can still get that summertime book. Yes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Good time to read that one. <laughs> yeah. It'll be perfect. So uh, join us next when we read The Reckoning by Carolyn Peckham and Susan Valenti. We are live on Instagram for Friday Night Spice at 6 p.m. Pacific Standard Time and 9 p.m. Eastern Standard Time most Fridays where we talk about this week's podcast and we're going to start talking about other stuff eventually. So keep an eye out. We've got that one under construction. (laughs) yes be sure to like comment and subscribe and do all of the engagement things talking with you all and seeing what you think about these books and topics is why we are here don't forget you can also find us on tiktok facebook anywhere you can find podcasts the WeTube and youtube see you next week until then stay, stay, stay spicy, spicy. <laughs> <laughs> wow what an ending <laughs> what an outro yeah <laughs> thank you so much <laughs>